Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Once again, to Simpsons is greater than a Simpsons podcast where, come on, you know what we do by now. We talk about the Simpsons and how great it is. Give me a break. As always, I'm your host, Warren, also known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You just might have seen my Simpsons collection on Instagram and Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not, go to at Bart of Darkness on Instagram or Twitter and check it out. Now, today is not a normal episode. It's a Q&A episode with my good friend, Botter Milligan. What's up, Botter? Oh, yeah, 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 yo, what up, Warren? What up, Simpsons are greater than listenership? <laughs> I figured we would try something a little different. I'm sure you guys are enjoying the interviews, but I wanna switch it up. I wanna try some new things with the podcast, so please, when we're done with this one, give me some feedback. Tell me you love it, tell me you hate it, whatever. Um, but to give you a little background on my friend Botter here, Botter is the host of a podcast called The Short Box, and uh, he helped me a lot at the beginning of this thing, and Botter's an all-around great guy, so uh, make sure you give Botter some love when this is done. Botter, anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, man, it, it's an honor, dude. Um, it, it was great when you reached out, you know, all those months ago over the summer and was like, yo, I want to start a podcast, and, you know, I, I love podcasts and been doing it for a hot, hot minute. Um, hot minute. And it's been really cool to watch your journey, all the guests you've had on, the, the success you've had, uh, the audience, and you know your listenership that you've built, man. So it's it's an honor to come back on your show, like to be able to come on your show, you know, and play <laughs> co-host and kick my feet up and have some fun about you know my favorite uh, family, my favorite animated family. That's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, anyone that uh, doesn't know, uh, early into this podcast, I was actually uh, Botter was one of the people that helped me, like I said, but also. He did a, a sort of a preview episode of my first episode with Yardley Smith, and we did like a little bonus episode where we talked about what I was doing and what I was getting into. So yeah, Botter was right there at the beginning. He gave me a lot of uh, advice. He really sat me down and said, listen, son, and uh, <laughs> you know, really really showed me how to how to do some things and help me get started. So uh, anyone that doesn't know Botter at this point, please, when you're done, like I said, man, I'm going to keep saying it. Go give Botter some love. Go check out his podcast. It's really good if you like comic books, if you like anything from pop culture that's on it should be on your list so you should be checking it out yeah if you like interviews we do interviews too man so uh for all yeah, of you had some had some really good ones thank you thank you for all you comic book fanboys fangirls uh fans of a uh, comic book theme pop culture check out the short box podcast yeah it's true and if this sort of thing is cool i'm gonna have people like botter and some others come back and and sort of hang out with me and ask me some of your questions. If you're not familiar, if you didn't see the post where I said, hey, ask me some questions and I want to do an episode of the podcast and tell you what you want to know uh, as far as my opinions, because obviously I'm great and everybody wants to hear what I think. The Warren is greater than segment. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I might steal that. Come on. That's hot. Go ahead. Um, yeah, but so we're going to go through as many questions as we can today. I got a lot of questions and I was really you know, flattered by some of the DMs and the messages and the, the things that you guys wanted to ask and and sort of find out, you know, my perspective on. So if I don't get to all of them today, uh, maybe we'll make this uh, a regular thing. Who knows? So maybe I'll do some more of these 
But, uh, you know, we'll talk for an hour or so. We'll see how it goes and we'll see how many questions we get to in that time. And uh, some really good questions in here, I got to say. I'm looking at the list right now, man. Some some solid questions ranging from like, you know, personal, like, let's get to know Warren questions. And then some very obscure, diehard questions, which I'm not, you know, I, I was expecting the random diehard Simpsons fan uh, fanatic questions. So I'm excited to kind of hear your take on some of these. Yeah. And also, you know, I got to say one reason I wanted to have Botter on um, is because Botter knows how to ask a question. So I think having someone on that can uh, assist me in this is is key. I know you guys don't want to hear just me talk for a solid hour. So uh, get used to that, you know, that beautiful voice you're hearing on the other side. I might have to do this a little more often. <laughs> I got my best. I, I had my, my honey and my tea this morning. You know, I wanted to make sure I took care of the voice because, you know, your listeners expect only the best, man. I got to I got to come correct. That's that's what I'm talking about. So what do you say, Botter, that we jump in and get to that first oh, yeah. question? All right. Yeah, I, I think this is a good uh, opener question. You know, I think this will set the, the, the tone right for what we're doing this episode. This first question comes from a user. Name I hate Mary Jane. All right. She asked, <laughs> What sparked your Simpsons obsession? For me, it was seeing a funny representation of my not so great dad and Homer. It made me feel normal. So once again, what sparked your Simpsons uh, obsession, Warren? Um, that's a that's an interesting question. I, I can sort of uh I think what started my obsession with it was just being able to relate um to some of the characters, but also as I got older with the show, I related to different characters in different ways and things like that. So once I got to an age where I was a little more settled down, The Simpsons was always like a sort of a comfortable place for me. And I always loved the merchandise. There was some stuff that I had as a kid or that I wanted as a kid and didn't have that I was like, you know, I've got time. I've got some space. Um, <laughs> under the bed and in the closet, the disposable income. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe I can, you know, buy some of this stuff that I wanted and just sort of learn more about it and appreciate it. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard question to answer because a lot of it is the relatability and a lot of it is just the aesthetic of the merchandise being so appealing to both a, a child and an adult and just, uh, wanting to learn to seek that knowledge about, the show and about the merchandise. So um, as far as what actually sparked it, I guess I can't really trace a line back to that, but I think just the first time I saw it, it really impacted me unlike any show. And I just, Mm. you know, I wanted to be like Bart. So I wanted to keep watching it as much as possible. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's actually, not only is that a deep and a great first question, it's actually really hard to answer. (laughs) Can you recall maybe, a uh, a piece of merch or memorabilia that you got that would come maybe like served as the catalyst for okay this is something I'm really going to get into because of this one item uh, was there maybe one in particular that really kind of pushed you to I'm really going to start building up my collection and seek you know rarities and things like that so I, I think it's mostly and maybe this is a better answer to that question is I think what really sparked my true obsession I don't even know if I would say I was obsessed up until a certain point, I, I loved the show and I watched it every week. I wanted to buy the stuff and, and things like that. But I think when I truly became obsessed was when I rediscovered the show as an adult hmm. um, and really started falling back into those old memories and those old feelings of nostalgia tied to the show. And like, you know, that brings you back to sort of a comforting place. I think once I started really rewatching it from the beginning, probably nine or 10 years ago, 
that feeling that I got almost made me a child again in the sense that it was like, you know, I, I would like to collect things. And I think the Simpsons would be a great thing to collect. And once I started buying, I think a lot of Simpsons collectors start the same way. It's with the World of Springfield line, which I'm mm. sure a lot of the listeners remember. And because it's such a large line, I think it's really easy to get sort of wrapped up in it and want to get every piece, every playset, every figure. The fact that they talk, the fact that the packaging is very bright and catches your eye. So I think when I started, I think that was the thing that was like, you know, maybe it'd be cool to get. I remember actually, I remember being like, I'll just get every Homer and every Bart and I'll get every Lisa and every Marge. I'll just get every figure they make of the family. Then I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll get some of these others. They're really cool. Also, maybe I'll just get them all. Maybe I'll just have every single one of them, which I eventually got. And I think collecting is funny in that way, because as you go, you realize that you like certain things more and you sort of move on. So, but I would, I would tie a lot of it back to the world of Springfield line. I remember seeing it when it was released and thinking, oh, that's really cool. And then once I got older and wanted to collect, I was like, this is something that would be a great place to start. So yeah, I think maybe that would, that would be it. That was a good answer, man. And and something that's a little, you know, relatable to me as well, just thinking about like my, you know, I guess second uh, uh, resurgence as far as like getting back into Simpsons was around the same time that, that we met, you know, we met um around in 2019, I think it's like around August, summer kind of time frame. And it's when we had you on the show for the first time, which I, right. I still remember to this day, episode 259, Bard of Darkness. It's still one of our best played episodes. That's why I remember hey. it so vividly. But um. I think a few months prior, Drew, you know, my, my best friend, uh, Andrew, he gave me a random, you know, random gift. It, it was like these loose uh, Simpsons figures. And I think they were from the world of Simpsons line. I mean, it was like Homer, Chief Wiggum, um, uh, Ned Flanders, and then I want to say um, the Bee Guy as well. It was just like oh, a Bumblebee box. Man, yeah. Yeah, yeah Bumblebee <laughs> Man. And um, and it was, aside from it being just a random gift, you know, from Drew, which was kind of, you know, is along kind of his lines. Um, I was like, man, these something about these toys are really well done, really cool. Um, and, and it just kind of gave me that collector feel. But then, you know, shortly after I, I ended up meeting you and then like kind of uh, witnessing your passion and then, you know, walking into the room and whatnot. I will I will say that in the last year, ever since meeting you, it has sparked something back in me to rewatch all my favorite episodes and kind of relive a lot of those, man. So I, I can I can relate to how going back to the Simpsons in your adulthood, like you kind of appreciate it so much more, man. Like uh, I'm watching, you know, some of my favorite episodes and ones that you'll bring up on the show, you know, based on your, on your guests. And I'm rewatching these. and I'm like, man, it was so perfect. Like there is not uh, a minute or any air wasted on, you know, at all. Like it's, a, it's such a fine tuned show. And, and, and I love watching it now as an adult, cause I'm catching everything and seeing some of the themes that they're tackling that, you know, went over my head as a kid, but I think it kind of speaks to just how entertaining that show is, man. Like for kids, right. to, a, a plethora of age ranges. No, that's, that's, that's well said too, man. And I, and I think, uh, especially speaking of the, the world of Springfield line, what really ties it in nicely is the fact that you know, I'm sure a lot of you, like myself, also loved Ninja Turtles as yeah. kids and Playmates also made those toys. So you take a show like The Simpsons that really understands, um, you know, the the depth of their characters mm -hmm. and the, the the large scale of the universe of The Simpsons. You take something like that and you take a line like Playmates that really knows how to bring that to life. Um, there's no, you know, it's one of the most successful lines they ever made. And I think that makes sense. You know, um, you, you hear things about uh, world building and you think of like, you know, Lord of the Rings, um, uh, the Marvel universe, you know, like all these properties that have been around for years 
um, and have been staples and kind of like, you know, the, the nerd kind of community and things like that. And I right. think it's, it's easy to overlook Simpsons sometimes in that same uh, conversation because, you know, it, it's, it's an animated show. It's kind of geared towards kids. It's on Fox. It's mainstream. So you don't really think about the world building. But when uh, w- when I met you and, and saw your collection, like, it kind of hammered in home, like, the passion and, and the, 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 I don't know, just, like, the, that world building, that sense of world building and, like, the community and, and, like, and like I think what you said, the universe of Simpsons. Uh, there's something about, like, that those line of figures that, I don't know, there, there's something about it. They touch on that soul really well. Well, well, it's so big, too. And, mm-hmm. and, and you, I think the fact that they made figures like, you know, uh, Bumblebee Man, the, the fact that they made all these, you know, Sea Captain, all these random mm-hmm. one-note characters really made you feel like those characters were bigger than yes. their, you know, tertiary yeah. role in the show. And I, I think it just really gave you a second to appreciate all these things. Like no one would expect you to go buy a, an action figure of, you know, Marge as a cop or Lenny and Carl, but just the fact that those exist mm-hmm. makes you really like remember those episodes fondly, but also makes you feel like you know more about that character, even though you, you might not. So I, I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I would like to know, how many people got back into the Simpsons or how many people were, had their fandom heightened again, just by that toy line. So as much as I have moved into like the vintage stuff, like I sort of stay between 89 and 98. Now that's my favorite era, my favorite window of stuff. And we, I'm sure maybe, maybe we'll talk more about that, but that as much as I appreciate that stuff more now as a collector, world of Springfield definitely was huge to a lot of people getting back into the show, I would think. And also people wanting to collect the stuff in general. I mean, Botter can see it. None of you can, but there's, you know, it's all, you can see it behind me as we speak. It's, it's one of the biggest things that they ever did. So yeah, I think, I think coming back to the original question, what sparked my obsession, probably just refining the show and uh world of Springfield being there to help me get started as a collector. So it's cool to think about. Well said. So speaking of, you know, the world of Simpsons in a literal sense and, and the various kind of characters, um, this next question uh, comes from a uh, Callum McPhee. Uh, they ask, who is the greatest guest star? Um, well, so I, I think, you know, to answer that truthfully um, is is hard because there are uh, technically characters that you see a lot that are considered guest stars. You know, Phil Hartman, Kelsey Grammer, Marsha Wallace, Joe Montana. These are characters that are in, you know, a lot of episodes, but they're still considered guest stars. So I would assume you know, and maybe not, maybe, you know, send me a message, Callum, if I'm not answering this fairly, but I think the actual answer you would want would be outside of those like common guest stars. Although I would say, you know, Phil Hartman is probably my favorite guest star on, you know, the show period. I just think his characters on the show gave so much to the show. And I think losing him um, was a huge blow to the Simpsons in general and to, you know, all of comedy. But I think the actual answer as far as like a guest star that was only in a couple of episodes, I'm going to give it to Albert Brooks. Um, you know, he's in season one. He plays Jacques the Bowler. He's, you know, he he plays Hank Scorpio. He, you know, he plays, you know, all of these hilarious characters that all, even though they sound just like him for the most part, not so much Jacques, but a lot of them sort of just sound like his normal voice they contribute to some of the funniest episodes of the show period. So I think if I really, really had to put the screws to myself to answer that question, I think I would give it to, uh, to Albert Brooks. <laughs> I'm glad you, you, yeah, you mentioned that because he was on my, um, he was on my list. I had Albert Brooks cause of Hank Scorpio. That episode is just so oh, classic to me. Man. It's perfect. Um, Johnny cash, 
Oh yeah, as a spiritual. It wasn't like a spiritual fox, a Homer's yeah. a, a spirit fox. And then my, my, the last one I got on here is Rodney Dangerfield as Larry Burns. Like <laughs> I love his character so much, and especially how he bonds with Homer like so well. Yeah. You know? Like he was a brother he never had. Yeah, I love that. Episode. Yeah, I, I think it's also great because he's he's a real just love letter to Rodney. I like that they let him come in and sort of just be himself. Um, like a lot of his dialogue is just. It, I mean, it could just be a bit from his act. You know, I think it's just really funny. I, I, I think those are great ones too. Um, I, I think the actual answer, if it's not Phil Hartman would, would be Kelsey Grammer because sideshow Bob might as well be a main cast as many episodes as he's been in at this point. But, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to say Albert Brooks, um, runner up being uh Ronnie Dangerfield. I'll, I'll, I'll pepper that in there. Good question. Good answer. So this <laughs> next question right here, um, I, I like this one a lot because uh, it deals with the Simpsons uh, feature film, and I got to give you props that when I met you, you uh, you spoke so highly. You were one of the few people I knew um, that loved Simpsons that spoke so highly of the movie. Uh, I know a few people that just it, it kind of rubbed them the wrong way, but you were able to reposition it in a certain way and all that. But the merch that you had from the movie were all awesome, especially the McFarland Toys one. Yeah. Um, so this next question comes from uh, Ben Montana Chute. Is that how you say last name? Ben? Yeah, sorry, sorry, Ben. I, I had a hard time with that one too, but we got a lot of love for you. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> ben Montana um, he asked, Would you what would you like to see in a second Simpsons feature film? Um, man. Well, first let me let me just mention the the first one before I actually answer that question. Um, I know a lot of people who love the movie, but I also know a lot of people that think it's it's bad or they think at the very least it's like missing something. And I do want to say that for those who don't know, I feel like most of my listeners know this, but originally the movie was supposed to be uh, based around Hank Scorpio. He was supposed to come back. He was supposed to be the villain. And the writers really just didn't have confidence that people would care or or that people would get it. I think they really sort of underestimated their fans a little bit, which is the one complaint I have. And they felt like they needed to make it more standalone, more accessible to newer fans, which is also understandable and not bad. But at the same time, you don't, you wouldn't have to know who Hank Scorpio is to make that story funny. I don't think so. I think that's a missed opportunity on their part. Hmm. Um, I do think they should have stuck with that original plan. But with that said, I think the movie is, is very funny. I think the only downside to the movie is it does break a couple of canonical rules. It, it definitely sort of rewrites the story of Homer and Marge's marriage. It makes it seem like they had a wedding, um, which they we all know they got married in Vegas. And, you know, uh, so I, I always think that that is, is a slight tarnish on the film. But again, they sort of wanted it to be its own thing. And I think it leads to great jokes. And you had some veteran writers come back and work on that film. So there's a lot of really funny stuff in that movie that I think gets, you know, overlooked because some people you know, were either out of the Simpsons at that time or, you know, they just, they have this, you know, ongoing opinion that it's bad from a certain point. So, but I think if you put that aside, like when it came out, I, I loved it. And, Dude, yeah. you know, even watching it now, I watched it recently because it's just been a while. I, I do think there's a lot to enjoy about it. I think it's, it's, it's good. I just wish they had kept it Hank Scorpio. So to answer the question, of what would I like to see in a, in a second one? I actually would like to see it dialed back. Like I, I don't know if some people know this or not, but I've heard that, um, camp crusty, um, the episode was originally sort of an idea way back in, you know, season three 
that they had pitched for a, like a film, like a Simpsons movie. Like, oh, maybe we could do this extra long um, episode that's more of a movie about, you know, Bart going to camp. And originally that was sort of a plan for that story. Uh, so I think a second film, what I would like to see is basically it be a little smaller. Like I don't need all the bells and whistles of like a life altering world changing plot. Um, I think you just tell a bigger story that maybe needs more time to be told. Like I would really like to see essentially like a really long, great Simpsons episode that, you know, goes some, some interesting places. Like it can't just all be, you know, around, around Springfield possibly, but I do think I would like to see something a little more grounded, a little more classic, more in the idea of like a Camp Krusty style um, movie. Now, I don't know how how easy that would be to do now, um, but I, I think that would be something I would want to see is just something a little more grounded. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, uh, answer. Really good one on that one. Uh, this next question kind of brings us back to your collection. It comes from a Curtis Badger. They ask, how often do you dust your toys or clean your collection? <laughs> so it's funny that this was one of the questions because I actually was saying today to my wife that it, it's that's probably the question I get asked the most. And I think when I see other collectors uh, posting their stuff online, that's like a thing that they get asked a lot. It's like, oh man, but how do you keep all this stuff clean? How do you, yeah. how do you keep all this stuff dusted? Uh, the answer is I just don't. Um, <laughs> I really am bad at dusting my collection, but, uh, you know, it, it is important to note that dust is not going to damage anything. Really. If someone can send me a compelling argument to, uh, why I, I'm wrong about that, I would love to hear it. Um, I do dust just not as often as I should. And, uh, luckily for me, this is a, a you know, an extra room in my house that, doesn't have a lot of foot traffic. So there's not a ton of dust. I do have some stuff, um, in glass cases also, which helps keeps down, helps mm -hmm. keep down on the dust. Um, so that's, that's a thing. I mean, I, I would be interested to know, um, if I have any other collectors that are listening to this, how often do you dust? Is that a huge priority for you? Because, um, it's hard. And when you have this much stuff for me to pick up, um, everything on a shelf and clean it off literally sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> you wouldn't have any time to pump out any like good podcast content. Uh, you know? <laughs> you know, you would, that's, that is, sounds like a lifetime obligation. Yeah. I, I will say, I, th I think the, the only time I really do is if I pick up an item to take a photo for the Instagram and I just notice that there's like, you know, you know, a space of dust that looks like a grave Then I might go, okay, I need to like go get the duster and, and sort of clean up in here. But um, yeah, the unfortunate, the unfortunate answer to that is that I just don't clean it nearly enough. So there you well, go. It sounds like you, you clean as you post, you know? As yeah, you, there you go. That's true. But yeah. I, I think I just try to find, um, I just wait until it looks dirty, but I will say <laughs> with, with that said, yeah. no one's ever come in here to see the collection and said, yo man, you need to dust. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it, it really, <laughs> I think because it's closed off from the house, my yeah. cats don't get in here. I really don't run into the issue of it being super dirty. So there, that's that's all I got. <laughs> I, I would like to kind of highlight, you know, I'm, I'm remembering the first time I walked into, to, you know, your, your collection room. And, and aside from having my jaw on the ground for like 20 minutes and, and realizing <laughs> I've never seen this much yellow in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, it was pretty cool because I think I had asked you, I think that, you know, was my first question when, when I saw the collection, but I thought it was pretty cool that you take other preventative measures and may, maybe you can, you can talk a little bit about that. Uh, one that comes to mind, you had mentioned that you changed, I think you changed out like the blinds in, in that room. Like it's, it's pretty well 
uh, you've only got one kind of central light. You don't let a lot of sunlight in, which kind of protects the packages and things. Do you do other things similar to that, or can you kind of expand more on the uh, the, the lighting situation you got? So uh, this is actually a, a pretty sad story, to be honest. So the, the reason I learned about uh, the blinds, and this this comes just from my own ignorance uh, getting into collecting sort of later in life, but um, the last house that I lived in with my wife was a, we were renting the house. We didn't own it. We own this house. And, um, we had, we had like covers over all the windows. So not a lot of direct sunlight got in. Like there were like these, uh, sort of shades on the outside, you know, that kept, kept the sun from getting directly in the windows. And, uh, so I never had any problems with things getting sun bleached or anything sort of damaging my boxes. So in my mind, I was like, Oh, if you just keep the blinds drawn, you'll never really run into any problems. Um, little did I know that is terribly false. And, uh, when I first moved into this room and got everything set up, some of the stuff pretty much behind me, again, none of you can see it, but Botter can, some of that stuff got lines in it from sun, making it through my blinds onto some of the backs of the packaging. And, um, that really just, you know, obviously pissed me off because I was like, wow, Warren, you're really stupid for thinking that that's all you got to do. But secondly, I was just like, well, this is great. You know, um, Luckily, none of it was damaged badly. It was just enough that I noticed and, and saw before it got worse. So um, I did get blackout curtains for the room. So every window, except for one, which is the one that gets the least sunlight and nothing's in front of it directly. Um, I got blackout curtains for every other one. And one of them is actually covered by a huge Burger King advertisement that used to hang on the, the fence at a Burger King. So um, basically no natural light gets in. And uh, that's really the secret. I think Anyone out there that's getting into collecting, make sure if you have stuff in front of a window, uh, you do not let it sit there with no blockout shades because it will leave sun bleaching lines on the back of your on the backs of your toys. And if you're like me, it'll make you just want to smash something um, and get really pissed off. So um, yeah, don't learn from my mistakes and don't do that. So that's really the only preventative measure I have. I don't let in a lot of natural light. Um, I clean when I can um, as I post, like Botter said, and we just kind of go from there. Well said, collectors. Get your get your curtain game up. All right. Uh, <laughs> one of these next three or, or so questions, uh, we're, we're getting back to um, the, the show and the episodes. Uh, this next question comes from Bryson Beck. They write uh, top three favorite episodes? Question mark. Okay, so that you know, this is something that I often ask people when they come on my show. I'm like, hey, you know, give me a top three or at least you know three that you really like. I'm learning now that. That's actually a really hard question for <laughs> basically anyone spot, to answer. Right? <laughs> yeah, especially on the spot. So, um, but I think because uh, of what I often say, which is that I think the answer changes every time I'm asked. Uh, so since I'm being asked right now, Bryson Beck, my answer for that as of today is going to be, and I, and I think this one will stay number one. I don't think it's going anywhere. If anyone listened to my Christmas episode, they've heard me rant about this. I think Marge Be Not Proud is my favorite episode of The Simpsons. I think it's just perfect. I think it hit, it hits every note that you want in a Simpsons episode. Um, the only thing it's missing, I wish it had a little more Lisa, but I think it gets everything. It gets the comedy. You get some of the, you get some really funny lines from tertiary characters. You get like some really great outside stuff. You get some really heartfelt moments. And anyone that wants to tell me that the end where Bart is, you know, giving Marge her present and she's crying and calling, calling her, oh, man. Come or on. she is calling Bart her little bitty Barty. Anyone that wants to tell me that is not one of the most touching moments in the whole show, uh, yeah, just 
Stop listening if you disagree. Um, you didn't tell me I was supposed I, to bring a, uh, some tissues. Yeah, I'm yeah, just up thinking about it's it. It's amazing. It's a good episode. It's perfect. So, and I think number two, at least right now, is Rosebud, um, directed by the great Wes Archer. I think it's one of the funniest visual episodes, but as well as just the overall story is great. I think there's so much in that episode that's that's too funny. Like I think, you know, Homer doing his stand-up routine and getting prepared for that makes me like cry with laughter every time I watch it. He's just such an idiot. And there's just a lot of great deep comedy. You learn a lot about Burns and his childhood in that episode. And uh, yeah, I think it's really, really great. As for a number three, and this is a bit of a cheat, um, but this also is sort of a constant, and that is Who Shot Mr. Burns. Um, I'm not going to specify one or two. I'm just going to say both. To me, that's one episode, even though they're in separate seasons. I think that is actually the safest answer for best episode of the show, um, written by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, two of the best to ever do it. So yeah, I think I think as of today, Bryson, that is my top three. Let, let me let me add a question to to Bryson's because you had mentioned that you know this is a um, this is a recurring question that you use your, yourself for the guests that show up on your show. Right. Um, a, a, has there been any answers from from your guests when they share their top episodes that has surprised you or made you look at a certain episode in a different light? Um, I off the top of my head, the, the two that really sort of surprised me, just because I feel like they're slightly uncommon, is when I had uh, Bob and Henry from Talking Simpsons on. Henry said Bart's comment which is a great episode. It's, it's one of the, one of the, you know, I mean, it's a really, really great episode. I almost just said it was one of the best. I guess it is. Um, but it's a really great episode that I just wouldn't think to put in my top three. But when he said it, I was like, wow, that's a great answer. And also uh, similar to that, when I had Julia and Ali on from around Springfield, Julia said Boy Scouts in the hood um, mm. was a really underrated episode. And I have to agree. Um, Especially, I actually watched it recently, and it's so funny, and I love that there's a kid in it named Warren. So it has a special place <laughs> in my heart. But it's not one It's not one that I would think to, to give on my list. But man, what a funny episode. So yeah, I mean, I, once in a while, I do get surprised. Um, I feel like people tend to sort of cop out and say, oh, can I just talk about something I like, which ends up being, you know, maybe I should just change that question to like, hey, talk about some episodes. Yeah. But um yeah, I, once in a while I do get surprised. I get even less surprised now, but in the beginning I was like, "Wow, that's some interesting answers." With so many so. episodes, I feel like that is a um, to, to your to your point. You know, that is a very difficult question, especially on the spot, because you start kind of naming the ones that first come to mind, and then I think as you have time to kind of settle in, um, you're like, "Well, damn, how, how did I forget that episode?" You know, <laughs> and then it becomes like a challenge, like, "Oh, well, do I knock this one off of number one, and then at shuffle number two? I don't know." Yeah, which is why, you know, I'm also going to admit I cheated a little bit. I thought about the question prior, which obviously I saw these anyway, but I knew I had to sort of uh, think about it leading up to the question because I knew if I just tried to name it on the spot, I would just, it would be impossible. Um, I think I've given a different answer for that question at least 15 times in my life. <laughs> you know, so. I, I, I was trying to think back to when we had you on the show. Um, I, I think you've got at least maybe one or two that have stayed consistent, but I can see how that could easily change depending on your week and mood. <laughs> I used um, to say I used to say Bart gets hit by a car a lot. That was like, mm. and and I still think that's high up on my list. I think that's such a funny episode, and so that that for years was probably like the one consistent one that I would name. And it's I mean whatever guys, it's still up there. It's still yeah. probably number. It's in the top ten. Come on. I th I think the <laughs> the two that come to mind. I can only give you two because I think uh, I'd have to think about number three. But the two I feel very confident about saying is um, uh, Bart sells his soul. 
That yep. would be probably my number one. Uh, I remember that just blew me away as a kid. Like it, it honestly, and, and <laughs> it kind of formed the the context or the foundation of my thoughts of like what a soul is. I was like, wow, as a kid, seeing a soul kind of uh, animated in that sense or expressed in that sense was like, oh man, that's how I think about it. You know, yeah, um, it definitely had an influence on me. And the fact that you know they they were tackling such a very kind of complex theme, you know, um, it definitely says a lot. But recently. My new favorite one, which I'd probably say number two, is uh, uh, the episode where Marge becomes a uh, a cop. What, what's the name of that episode? Uh, the Springfield Connection. Yeah, it's a great episode. The Springfield Connection, yes. That one, um, and, and I've watched that one recently, like within the last six months, and I just, my, my jaw was on the ground how perfect that episode was to me. Like, the different themes and things they were tackling, especially like to see Marge and Homer's relationship be tested in that sense and the power dynamic too, where, you know, Marge is a cop and Homer has no respect for her. <laughs> um, aside from it being really funny, some of the things Homer does. Uh, Homer, Homer's like, such an asshole. That I'm yeah, he is. Great. Yes, he is. But um, I, I, I felt like that was such a classy and smart way to, uh, um, put their you know th- their relationship on the rocks to test it it's like wow like uh, that is great outside the box thinking let's make marge a cop and and, and play with the power dynamic yeah it's it's definitely one of my favorite I, I also i also love seeing marge like with her hair in a hat yeah. uh, just sort of like laying down i love yeah. I, that's another you know i mentioned i think in the beginning that there's a figure of that in world of springfield mm. and I, it's one of my favorites because her hair just lays flat and falls behind her almost like a ponytail yeah. And I it, think it's really awesome. And, and I like the, <laughs> the visual representation too. Like they managed to make her look like she went through some training. Like she looks lean, you know, like lean yeah, muscles, yeah. you know? Um, so, so I thought it was cool to see a visual uh, transformation. Yeah, uh, totally. Next question up is from Cairo Duff. Uh, they ask, what's your feeling on the early seasons versus the later seasons debate? Oh man. Well, uh, when I, when I saw this question, I knew it would be my time to just, uh, run my mouth uh, and ramble on for quite a while. Um, so, you know, it's, it's no question, uh, that the, the early seasons of the Simpsons are untouchable. Uh, I think you compare them to any season of, or you compare the early seasons to any show and they're mostly just going to smoke it. I, I think especially, you know, it's often said, but five through eight, I think are some of the best episodes of, you know, best seasons of television ever to exist. And I, I don't think much can hold a candle to those. However, I think as you watch the show, especially like in the last five or six years, I feel like they've been on a real hot streak of, of good solid seasons. Um, I think when you watch the show and you sort of take yourself out of how did this make me feel when I first saw it, because I understand as someone who grew up watching the show that, at a point, it felt a little goofy. It felt a little different. It didn't feel like it had the same resonance as it might have when you were younger. But I also think that to expect a show to stay the same throughout a 30-plus year run is is asking a lot. And I also think if you convince yourself that there is nothing to appreciate, like like I think convincing yourself that there is a firm cutoff mm. of when you can appreciate the show I think you're just lying to yourself. I think some of the seasons in the teens, especially the 15, 16, even even parts of season 19, um, are some of the most underrated pockets of episodes in the entire show, including the early seasons. And I think a lot of people overlook them. Um, I say this about season 15 a lot. I think season 15 is severely underrated. 
And, you know, and I feel that way, honestly, about the last several seasons. I think pretty much from season 26 to current is a very, very underrated chunk of seasons. In fact, I would argue that it's the best chunk of seasons since the, you know, the cutoff that most people say, you know, 11, 12, whatever. But I also think that you just have to look a little harder. Like, I understand that newer seasons don't hit as many home runs, but I think expecting them to is also, you know, a bit of a fool's errand because any show that came out as strong as The Simpsons and had arguably, you know, 10, 11 seasons of damn near flawless comedy, how could anything live up to that? How could anything make you feel the same way? I mean, you had different writers coming in. You had different people animating and working on the show. The style of animation changed as everyone was pushed to digital. I think there's just a lot that changed. And also something I talk about a lot is you have to look at the state of comedy in the early 2000s. It was definitely a weird period for all of comedy, animation and not. And I think The Simpsons definitely had to adjust their sensibility to sort of stay relevant in that time. And it didn't work the best. And there's times where it actually is sort of cringy and a little bit off-putting, but I think what's important to note is that that can't be said for every episode, and it also generally recovered well, and I think it is silly to disregard anything based on a, you know any sort of conventional wisdom or say, well, everyone says that it gets bad around this point, which will taint your opinion anyway, even if you watched it without having heard it. So I tell everyone, watch newer seasons you know, give them a chance. If you think an episode's bad, watch the next episode and see how you feel because there's a lot of great episodes throughout the entire series. You give me the worst season of The Simpsons, which I think I've narrowed it down to. I'm not so sure. But if you if you look at the worst season of The Simpsons, I can still find good episodes in it and uh, episodes that still feel like The Simpsons, even if it gets a little weird at times. So uh, I guess, you know, that long ramble, my answer ends up being it's still good and you should still watch it. I think that's been one of my favorite things about listening uh, to this podcast, Simpsons Greater Than, and, and the various guests that you've had on that are actively working on the show, is that you get a sense that you know, they're still hungry. You know, they're still putting in uh, the work. They still treat it with a sense of respect. There's, um, you know, there's a bar that they're trying to hit. And to your point, like, how can they live up to their glory days? You know, I think what's important is, are they still putting in the same amount of, of passion and care and, and thoughtfulness to it? You know, um, so and, and that's always been one thing about you, Warren, that I've enjoyed ever since our first meeting was, you know, you, you know, you appreciate all of it straight up. Like, you're one of the few people I know that advocate for people to give the later seasons a shot and I, and I like what you said about the mindset because you're right man if you've decided um, if you've drawn a hard line in the sand th then you know you're not going to be able to enjoy you know the, the later episodes uh, because you've, you've drawn that line in the sand and and I will give you credit that um, you know I, I was I kind of shared those um, thoughts prior to meeting you and then when we had you on the show and you know you kind of advocated like yo just give it a shot man like understand like the sensibilities taken to these things to account um yeah it made me a fan i've I'm, i've been a fan of the later um of these later seasons and episodes so well said man very well said well and and i'll make another point that you know anyone that hasn't listened to episode 13 with jay kogan uh you know jay kogan is a, a classic writer he's one of the first writers hired on the show he worked on the first four seasons he wrote some of the best episodes with his writing partner wally waladarski and you know even jay said that he thinks the show is still great. And he, he made a comparison that I really liked where he said, you know, the Simpsons has always been good. I, I think it's like when you go to a, 
a restaurant, you get used to the good food at the good restaurant. And sometimes you sort of forget why you loved the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the Simpsons set such a high bar and so many other things took from the Simpsons and borrowed their style or stole their style that eventually it did feel a little different. You know, you sort of got used to it. And, and, you know, I still say that the early seasons have a certain spark that maybe some of the later seasons don't have, but I think that's just because it was doing something completely new and different and it didn't, you know, it didn't have to adjust. It didn't have to grow. It sort of just did that. And I always say that I would take, you know, I would take a decline. If you want to call it a decline, I would take a decline in quality to still have new episodes of a show I love as much as the Simpsons. And I also think that even saying it in that way is unfair because I think quality is subjective. And I think everyone's going to have, you know, it's like they say, you never like anything as much as you did when you were 10. And I think you can say the same thing about the Simpsons. I think that's, that's going to be your most special moment with the show is when you were a kid, like it was mine. And I think that's another thing, but even from a production standpoint, the show looks so incredible now. And yeah, you can say, Oh, I miss that rough edge. I miss that early cell animation. So do I, but the show has worked super hard and has so many funny people on it, you know? So I, I just think, I think dismissing it as being bad because you think it's, you know, a little too different for you is not really fair. I mean, it's your prerogative, it's your perspective. And I, you know, I can't tell anyone what to think, but I just don't think it's fair to do that. And I think if you really love the show, maybe watch a newer season and, and, you know, don't be so quick to, to say you hate it. Yeah, that's a really good, that was a really good answer, Warren. Uh, moving on next question. This one comes from uh, Stray Cat Six. They ask, if you could live in Springfield for a day, which character would you choose to be? Uh, well, first of all, shout out to Holly, Stray Cat 6. She's been following me for a long time. She has a great collection herself, and Holly's awesome. So everyone that doesn't follow her uh, should go follow her. But man, if I could, what character would I choose to be if I could be in Springfield for a day? Um, you know, I, <laughs> I guess this is like such a bad answer. It's a really hard question. I thought about it a little bit, but it's really hard to answer. I guess I would probably be Burns. I mean, because he's rich. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I I think it's a really it's a really fun question to think on. But I mean, I I think if you have to be, you know, if you got twenty four hours, you might as well be the sort of rich asshole that can literally have money fights with his uh, assistant. So, because um, you know, I I don't know if I would be. I, I definitely wouldn't be Homer. Um, I definitely <laughs> I don't think I would be Lisa uh, because she gets you know shit on so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, that's such a tough question, but I'm I'm going to stick with Burns uh, because he's rich and because I could just, you know, and apparently he can't die. So that would be cool to see what that's like. And it'd be pretty cool <laughs> just to release the hounds just once. Man. Just once. <laughs> yeah, but maybe, you know, maybe I could like go deeper with that. Maybe I could like be Burns, but see what happens if Burns is nice for a day. Maybe yeah, I could like yeah, use yeah. some of my money for good, you know? I think for me, it's, it'd probably be Troy McClure. Only because yeah. he's got so much credit to his name, man. I, I love anytime he shows up. <laughs> it's a good looking IMDb in 2020. Yeah, um, yeah, but I, I think I, I think I'm yeah. gonna go with Burns. I mean, um, I, I I think anyone listening to this should really think about that question. I really like that one, Holly. Um, it's really way harder to answer than you think. So big yeah. time, especially well, when you don't want to, you know, come off of like the easy answers. You know, you don't want to go like <laughs> yeah. with, with, with the Simpsons family. Like you want to think of something cool. Um, all right, so this one is from Olivia Blackstone. Uh, they ask, which Simpsons character do you wish you could see more of? Oh, so this one is a bit of a, this is a bit of a sad answer, but it's just true. I, I really wish we could, and I guess it depends on also the context of the question, but um, I, I wish I could see more Lionel Hutz, man. Um, as, you know, I, I, I love 
Phil Hartman. I love Lionel Hutz. I love, I love Troy also, but Lionel Hutz to me, especially I've been rewatching some older uh, seasons recently. And I just think he's one of the funniest characters in the history of the show, man. I just, I, I think, I, I think every single thing he says is funnier because he said it. But um, as far as a character that's like still around on the show, um, I'd really, you know, I think I would say Lenny or Carl because, you know, I, I think you get some background on the show uh, f- as far as their characters are concerned, but not a lot. It's sort of all just like, oh, they knew Homer when they were kids or, oh, they did this, you know. I'd really like to learn more about them and like their origin, their friendship. Um, I think there's probably some really cool uh, background that could be shed light upon um, in those characters because they sort of just exist as, you know, Homer's coworkers. Like you see that Lenny is sort of poor in one episode and his house is dilapidated. You get, you get like these little windows, but there's so many unanswered questions about, you know, what led them to the nuclear power plant? You know, what made them become so close to each other? Like, I think I would, I would probably like to see more, more Lenny and Carl, or at least like more in-depth exploration of those characters. What do you, what do you think? What what would be your answer to that? That would, no, that, that was fantastic. Cause to me, um, they're the OG bromance, man. Like they, they're the OG uh, uh, bros, you know. Uh, but they're cool <laughs> about it, you know. Yeah, I, I guess I've, I guess I've assumed that with the multiple, you know, uh, uh, double digit seasons that we've got, uh, I thought maybe they've already would have answered that in a, um, uh, in an episode or in it. like, have they ever slightly kind of touched on maybe a little bit of why they're friends? So, so I got to be honest. Like this year, I did, and I've seen every season, but it's really hard to remember every detail. And this year I was, I was doing a solid watch through and I got to season 21. Um, and I, I'm, I'm still going to finish, but I didn't get finished in time. And up to that point, I don't believe that there's an episode where they really actually explore mm. those characters. You know, there's gotta be, if, if I'm wrong, um, I'll take the L. So if someone's like, no, come on, Warren, you should know this. It's this episode. I'll be like, ah, shit. But just off the dome, um, I, I can't think of an episode where you learn a whole lot about them, but maybe, maybe it's there. Maybe I just sort of skimmed over it in my brain, but yeah, I don't think so. Well then, well then here's another question that might, um, that I, that might answer my pick because speaking about Troy McClure, I would like to see more of him. Have they ever addressed like how he got into acting and why his IMDB is, you know, pages on pages on pages of appearances? They, they, I mean, there's like, they make a lot of references to like his career, like, you know, Selma's choice. Um, not Selma's choice, um, a fish called Selma. You learn a lot about Troy, but I don't think you necessarily learn a whole lot about how he got into acting. I don't know. I don't think they, I don't think they explored that enough. I'm sure they would have, um, if it wasn't for the tragic passing of, of Phil Hartman, but, um, I agree with that. I wish there was a little bit more just about like his actual story. Um, you get a lot in that episode and it's a really, really great episode, but I do wish there was a, a little bit more. Um, it's weird to think that in the continuity of the Simpsons, Selma was married to Troy <laughs> just, just for, just for a minute. Um, but I think that's really, and that he's also has some weird sexual attraction to fish, which is also super <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, that's a trade off of but, greatness, man. You know, like you always got, you know, some weird quirk, um, <laughs> kind of in, in, in a similar sense, you know, speaking about the, the, the people of, of Springfield, this next question comes from Scott Stapp, lead singer of Creed. Uh, wow, the Scott Stapp, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hell of a uh, um, uh, username. Just make that's sure that's a great you know. that's it's a great screen name. Yeah. So they they ask who in Springfield do you think you would be best friends with, and who would be your Flanders, the one that you <laughs> loathe the most? I I really I really like this question, and I I feel like my answer 
surprised me because this is just the conclusion that I came to thinking about it. But um, I honestly, I, I think it's hard, but I, I would love to be friends with March be- because I, I think Marge, she seems like she'd be really fun to hang out with. I, I was watching uh, Marge on the lamb the other day. And I feel like when you get Marge out of just the home element, she's down for a good time. And she's like, you know, she's got such an interesting personality. She's an artist. She was into all these like cool things before she met Homer. And, uh, I, I think I would really like to, to get to know Marge as a, as a friend. I think I'd learn, love to pick her brain. I, I just, there's like so many people that I, I would, you know, it would be interesting to know if they were real, but I think Marge, um, outside of like, Oh, she has a gambling problem or, Oh, she, uh, really wants to be socially better and, and seem like she has more money when she's trying to join this country club. Like you get these little glimpses into her personality, but I, I wish, I wish there was like a real exploration into like her personality, which, you know, obviously you get, but I, I would like to know March. I think that's what I'm trying to say. As far as, uh, as far as my Flanders, uh, this one's also really hard, but I would probably say comic book guy. And the only Damn reason it, that, I say that, that was mine. is because I, I think he's like the worst sort of like, and this is, you know, how he's designed to be, but I think he's like the worst kind of like gatekeeper kind of nerd that like, you know, doesn't want to share it with anyone, just wants to be the cool guy in the room. So I, I think my, my Flanders, if I was in that universe, I would really hate him. And I think I would, you know, sort of be his mortal enemy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a hundred percent, man. Like, being in the um you know the comic book space he is the guy that i think a lot of people like he's the archetype that a lot of people or the stereotype that a lot of people think of when you know i mentioned like oh i really love comic books or you know i do a comic book themed podcast like that's usually like the first thing a lot of people think of that have no idea about the various um um uh, uh nerds out there you know they immediately yeah. go so you're sort of like the comic book guy in some sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's out here giving us a bad name Warren. yeah he'd be my flanders for sure yeah well what, what i'll say is anyone that goes and checks out botter's podcast short box uh comic book guy is the other host cesar so you can just go <laughs> damn um, my right hand man you know has been a comic book guy this whole time yeah and it's not you know so um i just want to say it's 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 normal to like give a little shout out on an episode of something and be like, hey, I really love this guy. All joking aside, but honestly, I'm just gonna say fuck Cesar. <laughs> He's out there somewhere smiling. I don't mean that. See, I love you. Um, yeah, that's but that's that's my answer. Comic book guy. He's I, I I think in that universe, I would be the guy that's in there that hears him giving shit to like Barton Millhouse. I'd be like, you know what, man? What's your fucking problem? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yo, these are kids, bro. <laughs> these are kids. All right, this next question. Uh, we're going to go back to talking about uh, your merch, okay? This next question comes from uh, C. Strillick 89 uh, They ask, favorite piece of merch that you own? Question mark. Favorite piece of merch that I own. So I, I knew that I, I knew I couldn't really narrow this down to one answer. I, it's it's too hard, but I I will say that I think the, the thing I've said before, and I think this does ring true, is I, I own most of the prototypes from one of the first toy lines ever made for the Simpsons, which was by Hamilton gifts. And they made, um, the whole family in like a large and a small size. They also did some of you have probably seen like Bart on a skateboard. He looks a little weird. There's also one of him with a slingshot. Um, there's one of Mars with like a cat with snowball to climbing her dress. These were like really common in the early nineties. They're just these little, you know, plastic figures, but I was able to get a lot of the original, sculpts that are hand painted by the original artist a couple years ago on eBay. I was actually floored that I was able to get them from eBay, but sadly the listing was terrible 
and the person who posted them, the artist, I will say, unfortunately has, has passed away, but this was someone selling her estate and she obviously was new to eBay. It wasn't listed very clearly. The photos weren't very good. It didn't make it very obvious what you were actually getting. So I think to some people, they were just like, oh, these toys just look sort of shitty and like beat up. But what it is, is they're very old and they're hand painted. So some of the paint is chipping off. They're, they're actually carved. Like they're, they're the original prototype models for those who don't know what that is, but um, they are so fantastic. And ever since I've gotten those, um, they've sort of been my favorite. Um, I'm only missing, I think they made in that original run, like 16 figures and I've, I've got 13 of them. So I'm only missing a couple of the prototypes. I don't know what happened to those, um, but those are extremely rare. They're probably the, probably going to be the most valuable and rare thing that I own for some time. Um, in addition to that, I, I own a, I'm going to give multiple answers. I don't care. Um, I also own a, uh, a rosebud, uh, pre-production sketch that I confirmed later was sketched by Wes Archer. Uh, he directed that episode. And it, when I showed him, he was like, Oh, that's one of mine. That was one of my pre-production sketches. So, you know, I have that framed in the room. It's it's, I love that. And, uh, recently, if, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm assuming most of you do, but I got, uh, this, a uh, huge, it's like a, it's like a jumbo. It looks like a wristwatch, but it's actually a wall clock. And it has a, it's like three feet long, just under three feet long by a company called Xeon. And it's very uncommon to find one in the packaging. It's very uncommon to find one period. And it's even less common to find one in America. Mm. And I recently found someone selling one. I didn't hesitate, even though I thought the price was a, a little, a little high, but it was fair. Um, and I knew if I, if I, kicked it around for too long. I would regret it if I didn't just go ahead and buy it. And I actually broke the, I broke the rule that upsets a lot of collectors, but I opened it because the box wasn't in great shape. The plastic was getting fragile. It felt like it was going to, you know, start splitting at any moment. And I just felt like it needed to be free. So I, I popped it out and, um, I mean, it's pristine. It's brand new. It's been sealed for 30 years. And so th- those are going to be my top three answers for that question i think let me let me add to that because you've spoken a lot about your answers so far have been more on the the high-end rare kind of side and i know that your overall collection kind of spans from you know very rare to you know kind of common and then you know lesser known on the opposite spectrum you know the the less you know the the more common things the um you know more more kind of random side of things is there anything that that you've purchased that um that isn't really rare that ended up kind of uh, winning you over where you weren't like too excited, like, ah, this is so common or, you know, no one really cares about this. I got it for a steal. It was cheap. Is there anything like that um, that you've purchased recently that has kind of really won you over as time went on? Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's an interesting question that I'm, I'm glad you asked because I think um, that really sounded like I like already knew this question was coming. I promise I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, that's funny you say that, Botter, because yeah, yeah, I would like to, yeah. um, but who cares? No, I did not know this question was coming to anyone listening, but I, I think recently I, I sort of had this realization that I love the calendars and I, I posted, um, the first calendar. Um, I posted like something in December from that. It was like the, the Christmas, it's like them caroling, um, the December frame of the calendar. And so now I've, I've sort of started seeking those out and they're not particularly rare. They're not very expensive. But some of that early art, a lot of it's Bill Morrison art, a lot of it's like super early um, drawings of the of the Simpsons. They're like pretty off model in some of them. It breaks some of the rules. It's like very, very early. I've become very fond of those. And you can actually find, like I just recently bought a sealed, I already had one, but I just bought a sealed of the first calendar for like $10. So you can find those for like not super 
uh, expensive online. And they, I think it's some of the coolest art because a lot of it was only used in the calendars and you never see it again. And it's like, there's one in the first calendar. I don't know if any of you have seen it where Bart uh, ate watermelon and he's literally laying on the ground, uh, just stuffed his belly's real big and he's green because he's eating so much watermelon. It's such a bizarre drawing Hmm. of Bart. Um, So those calendars would probably be my answer because there's just a lot of things you never see again in those. So that's what I would say. I think one of my favorite pieces of merch that you've um, recently posted on, on your feed is the, um, the Homer, uh, the, the, the cookie jar one where he's got like yeah. some cookies stuffed in his back pocket. He's got like one in his mouth. He's, he's gripping the cookie jar and he's like looking back <laughs> at you. Like, what are you doing? Like for, it was something about the way they captured the expression on his face. Like I can, I can hear like his voice and his, his attitude. Like they captured that moment in time, that attitude really well of like, you know, Homer being a greedy ass pig, you know? Yeah. And, and I would, I would also, I would recommend anyone that hasn't seen that photo on my page, go find it. But at the same time, I would also encourage you to find one of those for your collection or just for your kitchen, but be careful because that is the most breakable mm. damn. I mean, it's ceramic. It's big. Um, I've heard so many horror stories about people ordering those and then breaking in the mail, even though they were packed oh, very man. safely. That actually happened to me with a different cookie jar. That's a story for another time, but those things are so great, um, but also very easy to break. Anyone that's listened to me or followed me for a long time knows that I love ceramic stuff. So that's, I'm glad you said that too, but that stuff is hard to collect because you need to sort of put it in a safe space and it's also very breakable. I got a butter dish recently, which is one of the rarest pieces of Simpsons merch. It's super hard to find. It's from France and I bought it from a guy. It was in pristine condition and literally my man threw it in the box as if it was like a notebook And it came with like all these like stress cracks in it and all these things, which as it turns out from talking to other people, that's actually fairly common in those. Mm -hmm. But the guy claims that it wasn't like that when he sold it, which means that he took this pristine, beautiful, rare piece. And as because of the way he shipped it, now it looks like all the other ones. So yeah, that's always a risk you take with ceramics. But yeah, that cookie jar is one of the best things. It's also way bigger than it looks in the photo. It's very, very big. (laughs) That's good insight. Yeah, it's good stuff. This next question kind of switches gears as far as Simpsons uh, medium. You know, we, we've talked about the show. We've talked about your collection. This next question is pertaining to the video games. You know, the world, mm. you know, the video games of Simpsons. Uh, this one comes from Secondhand Simpsons. They ask, what is your favorite Simpsons game and why? Yeah, I I, um, I like this question too. I, I want to point out that in addition to doing this episode with me, Botter also did some work putting the questions together and sort of working on the order of them and things like that. So while I did know the questions, obviously, Botter's done a very good job of asking them. So I'm going to ask all of you to give him a round of applause. Um, and in fact, I think I'm going to answer this one and then probably one more because I want to save uh, some of these questions and do, and do another episode. I really enjoyed this. Um, so if you loved it or hated it, please tell me and uh, we'll go from there. But Favorite Simpsons game and why I'm going to, I'm going to give a sort of a controversial answer here because, um, well, maybe not, maybe it's not at all, but I think my favorite, just because it has put me through so much hell and beating it was such uh, a a moment in my life. Bart versus the space mutants. I mean, I think it's a a really awful game. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to shift that answer. That's my favorite because it was so hard to beat. I feel like I really earned the the end of that game. I know a lot of people (laughs) have never even seen the end of it. Um, so beating it as an adult, I couldn't beat it as a kid, but beating it as an adult, I've said this before was a huge moment in my life. Um, 
<laughs> as lame as that sounds. But I think the actual best one, this is no surprise, is the arcade game, which was the actual first thing that came out. And uh, it's, you know, I, I think they just never improved on that. I think the NES games and even some of the other ones seem worse than they are because the arcade game is so good. And I feel like it's the only one that I actually could play over and over aside from some of the newer ones like hit and run and Simpsons game. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a weird tie. I think I say the arcade because it's actually truly great. And I say space mutants because beating it was such a big deal. Anyone who's played that game, it is a nightmare, man. That game should be called Bart's nightmare because it's a fucking, Oh my God. It's so hard to beat. Um, five levels, and you, once you die, that's it. You start all the way over and they're so hard. I cannot, the fact that my child brain even tried to beat that game, like it makes Mario seem like a fucking, like a, like tic-tac-toe. Like it's insane how hard the game is. So if you've played it, you know where I'm coming from. Beating it is insane. Um, in fact, I've said this before. I even filmed myself beating it. I filmed the ending because I knew at some point I would need to bring receipts. I knew someone wouldn't believe me. <laughs> you need a historic documentation. So I could be like, no, look, here's the ending. I, I fucking beat it. Here it is. Um, so it's still on my phone. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's going to be my answer on that. <laughs> I remember definitely rage quitting on that one as a kid. Cause I feel like all those Simpsons games were, were, were kind of a, a lot harder than just the average game. Um, They're I remember so that one, difficult. I remember that one being really tough. We didn't get too far into it, but the arcade game, was uh, had a special place in our hearts because I mean I had four you know I grew up with with four brothers so any game that was a multiplayer was heaven sent <laughs> you know because it meant like you know we weren't we weren't waiting twenty minutes to get the controller back so any <laughs> multiplayer games always had a special place in our hearts and I wanted to ask you what's been your favorite you know a uh, uh, trivia or kind of Easter egg when it comes to the games because I don't feel I don't think I, I hear many people talk about the games or how they were created. Is there anything that kind of resonates with you that you've learned about the games throughout the course of this podcast? So, uh, you know, I will say a lot of the early games, pretty much the first like 10 games, um, I guess eight games, pretty much anything on uh, NES, Sega, Super Nintendo, there's essentially no tie into the show basically at all. Like there, in fact, some of them like Bartman meets radioactive man was literally like a reskinned like swamp thing game or something. It's like not even, mm. it wasn't even designed to be a Simpsons game. So a lot of them are just really bad. Um, the Krusty's Funhouse one was like a reskinned puzzle game of something else. Um, so, I mean, they're pretty just terrible and they don't, they tried their best to make little tie-ins on like space mutants and stuff. But I will say by the time they got to hit and run, they really did an amazing job of laying out the city of Springfield and having all these little Easter eggs and jokes and references to the show. Um, you know, I, I think that game is probably the only one um, that most people would love to see like a remake of. I've seen some people stand up for road rage. I don't think it's great. In fact, it's basically just a crazy taxi ripoff, but it's fun. But hit and run is, is truly a fun game that I played a ton as a kid. I played it some as an adult also, um, and it's, it's just really, really good. In fact, I was a teenager when it came out, so I was not that much of a kid, but the, also the Simpsons game is full of, of good jokes and references. It also has like some original animation. Uh, so, so nothing crazy stand out, although I do think later on they realized the relevance of that, uh, and the early ones, especially the NES ones, it was just Bartmania cash grab. They knew they had mm. to have games. Um, I, but I will say, I say this all the time as well. The art on those early games was all Bill Morrison and it's some of the best Simpsons art. I think Bart's Nightmare is one of my favorite drawings of Bart ever. 
truly, truly great. I have most of the posters framed in here. Um, doesn't get much better than Bill. So yeah, that's, uh, it's, it, I wish there were more Easter eggs in those early ones, but there's not. So <laughs> yeah, good. well said, well said, good insight. So, so let's, so, let's do, let's do one more, like I said, uh, you know, and, uh, I'll do a part two of this unless you guys hate it and we'll finish up these ones that I didn't get to. Uh, I want to say thanks again for everyone who ants, you know, asked questions. So, uh, let's yeah, do, are, this is a good range of, of questions, man. You got, you got some good ones from, from, from your people for sure. Um, and this last, but not least, you know, the, the one that'll close us out uh, comes from a Timothy Burleson. Uh, they ask, what's your favorite movie parody or reference? So I, this one I was I was glad to see. And um, I, I think it's cool because they do a lot and there's a lot that people know. You know, obviously, Rosebud is a parody of Citizen Kane and there's like a lot of more notable ones. But I think, you know, for me, and this is probably a surprise to some of you, maybe not. Um, I, I think one of the strongest in the whole show is the parody of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is called mm-hmm. Eternal Moonshine of the Simpson Mind. It's from season 19. And I just really love this episode. In fact, I know a lot of people that sort of like to, you know, again, talk shit on some of these later seasons will admit that that's a very strong episode. And obviously it relies on the tropes of a parody. It relies on, you know, other reference material. But there's some genuinely touching and interesting storytelling in that episode that really makes it stand out. There's a really good um, scene that I posted on my Instagram a while back of, of showing Homer age from a child to an adult. That's a, it's based on a, a viral YouTube video that I'm sure all of you have seen, but there's some really awesome stuff in that episode. And I think as far as like a, if I had to make a list of later season uh, standouts, it would be near the top. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've told people to go watch it that have never really sat down and watched that season. And they had to admit that they liked it. So if you're listening and you go, oh, what are you talking about? That episode's bad. I don't know what episode you're watching, but it's a it's a great one, a big standout. So I'm, I'm going to assume Botter hasn't seen it, and I'm going to tell him as soon as he's done with this, he needs to go watch it. It's a truly awesome episode, but maybe maybe you have. I don't know. No, no, actually, I, I was writing it down right now. I have not, I, I will admit I have not <laughs> seen that episode, but um, that very, sounds like right good. up my alley. I think um, Super good. one that comes to mind for me, and, and this is where I might need your assist on this, is I don't think it was it was a full episode. It was like one of those like kind of quick jumps, but um, I believe it <laughs> it was where they were parroting the the fugitive. I think where Millhouse is is at the edge of that um uh, <laughs> that that water drain and he's being hunted or some shit and like they they corner him and he has to jump off. I think I don't think it was a full episode, but just that quick, no. I always love you know the one. I'm a fugitive fan, but that was kind of a cool callback. Yeah. They, they sort of do that throughout that episode, which is really funny. Like it's just sort of, they, they keep, you know, sending people after Millhouse, but you know, that's a really, and, and I mean, the Simpsons, <laughs> yeah. the Simpsons has always been really good about integrating these like little things that whether you get it or not, it's funny. I think that's important to note is like, even if you don't understand, like even if you've never seen citizen Kane, Rosebud mm-hmm. is still an incredible episode. Like even if you don't exactly understand where it's coming from, it either gives you a reason to check it out or, you still think it's funny. So I think the Simpsons really, you know, walks that line really well. Yeah. Well said. And I think, man, that, that brings us uh, to the end of, of the questions I, I've collected, yeah. man. I personally had a blast. It's also going on like an hour and some change at this point. Don't want to keep everyone for too long, but you know, again, I'll say it for like the fifth time, let me know what you thought about this. Let me know if you enjoyed it. If you have some cool ideas or just some things you'd like to see, you know, shoot me a DM, comment on something, send me an email. Let me know what you think. And uh, I'm open to all that always. So yeah, bug yeah. me as much as possible. You know, what I have mean? an active hand in, in in the show that you know you you enjoy. That, that is one thing yeah. about Warren. I'll I'll go ahead and uh, champion is that uh, you 
you always listen. You know, you, you might not take all, all of the advice, and I think you'll you'll take the ones that are applicable and, and ones that you can work with. But you'll always listen, and you're always looking to better the show. So um, it, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for having me as, as your co-host. Uh, it was nice to like kick my feet up and, and play a co-host <laughs> uh, for once, you know. Um, and and I, you know, I just want to go ahead and extend the the appreciation uh, to your listeners to the Simpsons Greater Than uh, podcast family as well, man. You've got a great show, brother, and I, and I can't wait to. Uh, Hopefully, do a part two QA. Hopefully, my voice passed the the, the you know the sultry <laughs> test for your listeners. Yeah, I, I, if it didn't, I'd be shocked. So you know, again, go. You guys got to tell me what you thought about Botter. Let me know what you thought about the whole thing. But you know, what you said is too nice, Botter. I really appreciate you being on and hanging out with me today. Um, but before we get out of here, you know, tell people where to find you. Tell people where to find your podcast. You know, plug that thing up because I am a fan. I'm a Patreon subscriber to Botter's podcast. I think you should all be, you know, looking into that for yourself. So yeah, Botter, give some shout outs before we get out of here. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Uh, yeah, man. So my uh, podcast is called the short box podcast. We've been doing it since 2012. We're up to episode 308 or 309 or something like that. Uh, we've had a ton of guests. Um, uh, we've, we've won even a few uh, awards for the podcast. If you are a fan of comic books or comic book themed pop culture, we are the show for you. We are a crew of lively fanboys. Uh, we've got artists and we've got comedians on the show. Uh, we talk about comic book recommendations, reviews. We'll do spotlights, artist spotlights, as well as the occasional uh, interview with um, uh, industry professionals. So find us on your favorite podcast app, man, uh, whether it be Apple, uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find The Short Box. We're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at The Short Box Jax. That's J-A-X. So if you enjoy kind of the format of Simpsons Greater Than, then the Short Box Podcast is is the home for you as well. So all you comic book fanboys uh, that want to see a different side of, of fanboys, man, we, you know we're not a bunch of uh, comic book guys on our shows. It's a good time, and you know we welcome all of you guys to come give it a listen. Yeah, you guys should all slide through, man. And hey, as for me, as for Botter, this was a blast. I'll see you guys real soon. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out the official Instagram at Simpsons is greater than. Or follow me on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Barter Darkness on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for checking this out. I'll see you next week.